Welcome to the Scottish Clan Podcast. My name is Clint Edwards, and I'm going to be your host today. Thank you for joining me. I am recording this just a few days after the new year, so welcome to 2019. I hope it started off great for you. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season, whether that's whatever religious background you're from. It's a holiday season for a lot of people. Me and my family, we had, we're Christians. We had a great Christmas, and it was a good time to kind of refocus and think about why we celebrate that. And whatever that looks like for you, I hope it is an enjoyable time. Just a quick experience, you know, to have this year starting off. My wife and I were driving back from northern Utah last night, and there's there's a stretch of hilly country that you have to go through, and it's kind of lonesome, scarcely or sparsely populated, and it is the worst for deer. It's a, we've had so many near misses. There's always deer on that highway, and you just have to be careful. And you know what? In all fairness to myself, I was being careful. I was really perked up and watching close, and you know what? I just, there's no way to see it. This, on the right side of the highway, it drops off sharply. and You just cannot see what's down there. And this doe pops up and just jumps right in front of me. I mean, just really, really small amounts of time to react. And to swerve would put us in probably worse danger than hitting a deer. It might roll. So I just hit it. And it, it destroyed the front left part of my, my vehicle. It was a minivan I was driving. And, and I don't know, for those of you who are not from the western United States, out here the most prevalent type of deer is a mule deer. And this is a doe mule deer. For those of you in other parts, well, if you're from Europe, I don't really know what to compare a mule deer to. I know you have roe deer and red deer. And I think the red deer kind of look more like elk. But I don't know how they compare in size. But the, if you're from the eastern United States, a mule deer is, a, in my head, and I don't see a lot of white-tailed deer, but a mule deer doe is about the same size as a white-tailed buck, maybe, close. And a mule deer buck is, uh, maybe a white-tailed buck is about two-thirds the size of a mule deer buck. Anyway, it was, a, it was a mule, so I'm just trying to give you some size comparison. Anyway, this doe, this mule deer doe, just jumps right out in front of the vehicle. I just nailed it and killed it, and my vehicle is tore up right now. So you can look at that as, man, this new year's starting off pretty crappy. But the way we're choosing to look at it is that could have been so much worse. It could have been a moose or an elk. Or it could have just been a mule deer, but instead of just hitting it with the front left on its back half of its body, the front left of the vehicle, it could have, we could have hit it square on. It could have come right up over the hood through the windshield. That would have been bad. Um, I could have, instead of staying the course and just tagging it, I could have tried to swerve around it and we could have gone into out of control and bad things could have happened there. I mean, there's just so many scenarios that that could have been way worse than it was. And so, you know what, I'm going to choose to look at this as start off the new year. I, I choose to see the Lord's hand in things and I feel like we came out of that, we were blessed. And we came out of that 
a lot better than it really could have been. So we're off to a good start. Plus, we were coming from a, a good place, had visited loved ones, and yeah, and I have loved ones and a good family, not just my wife and my kids, but my parents and my siblings. I've got a great family, and so I'm going to choose to start off thankful. All right, but you did not click download or play so that you could hear me tell stories about hitting deer and my family. I want to talk to you today about the structure of a Scottish clan, and as you can see, this episode is titled structure of a clan part one and that's because I'm not gonna have time to get everything I'm trying to keep these things like I have mentioned before to about a half hour I know I've gone over that on some cases but I think I'm gonna do this in a series of of episodes and today we're gonna focus mostly on we're gonna start at the top of the clan and then move down so we're gonna talk about the chief of the clan and we're gonna talk about his retinue or the group of people that provided certain functions within the clan for the benefit of the clan and where these people would come from and who they were and what jobs there were to function. So we're going to start off the chief and his retinue and then we'll spread out in future episodes into to other aspects of clanship and how they were organized and set up. And Anyway, so let's just talk about the chief. Now, in previous, in previous episodes... We have, well, let me, let me start off by telling you what my sources are. I'm, I've got two main sources. Now, keep in mind, when you've been reading about the Scottish clans, the Scottish history for as long as I have, and by the way, I don't claim to be omniscient on this subject, but I have been interested in, in it for quite a while. There are people out there who know more about Scottish history than I have, than I do. They've been studying it longer than I have, and... But I, I've been reading about this for quite a while, and when, so when it comes to sources and me trying to tell you, I'm just telling you my main sources, because I've been reading about this for a long time, and there's a lot of stuff floating around in my head, and I don't remember where I got all of it. But my primary, or not primary, but my main sources today are, the first one I'll mention is Michael Newton's book, Warriors of the Word, The World of the Scottish Highlanders. I've mentioned his book before, and I use it often. It's very informative. I've read a lot of his other writings, not all of them, but... A lot of them, and I find him to be pretty informative on the subject that I am so fascinated with. The other source that I'm using today is called Kinship, Church, and Culture, Collected Essays and Studies by John W. M. Bannerman. I've mentioned this one before, too, and this has been very informative. I have not read as much of Bannerman's work as I have of Newton's, but for a long time, Bannerman was kind of the, in this field, he was, he was one of one of few authorities on this that a lot of his work was just kind of taken for granted. Like that's the gospel, and we're just going to go with it. Now other people are are getting into it, but still he provides a lot of very very helpful information in this field with his writings. So, and and also just something else that's interesting about this book of Bannerman's here it says the introduction by David Brune and Martin McGregor these are other two very influential researchers professors in this in Scottish history and specifically you could well David Brune most of the stuff i've seen on him is deals with Scotland as it was forming into a nation coming out of the viking age coming out of the era of Picts and Scots as they form together and the, the Scottish, the Gaelic culture becomes dominant and they come into the kingdom of Alaba, 
or what would become Scotland. Anyway, he talks a lot about that time period. Martin McGregor, he's done some stuff on, I mean, his, he's kind of like Michael Newton. He tends to focus, he's associated with the university. Uh, Michael Newton is an independent researcher on this subject. But Martin McGregor, a lot of his writings have had to do with, well, specifically the McGregors, the clan McGregor, or clan Gregor, sorry. And, but generally the, the Highlands and, and Gallic culture. And so similar to, to Michael Newton's work, which will tell you that this episode deals with the structure of a clan, mostly as it pertains to the Highlands and Isles. And I know not everybody is listening to this. It's f- there. I know your connection for not everybody is from those areas. And you're thinking, well, okay, well, I'm, I have Kennedy ancestors and we're from Ayrshire or I have Cunningham ancestors and we're from closer to Glasgow or I'm an Armstrong or an Elliot from the borders. What, what the heck? I'm, I, I promise you I'm not trying to shortchange those areas. And that actually leads me to a really interesting question that I want to ask. When we talk about the structure of clan, how did that vary from region to region? That's something I want to research a little bit more. And if there's some of you out there who have information on that, I'll, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you ways to contact me. But anyway, back to this. I, I, I think that it varies from region to region, but I'm using these sources here that I went into. So that's the, I'm going to focus on the Highlands and Isles of Scotland. How is a clan set up? So the, uh, I'm, I'm going to approach this from the top down. Let's talk about the chief. One of my questions that I had early on in my, as I was coming out of writing, finishing my master's degree, and in my head I was thinking, are all these kin groups really clans? Are all, are they really? And what? And what? How would you decide that? What criteria would you use? And one of them that I came up with was a clan would be would have to. It's larger than an, a family. Like as in the term that we commonly use the word family today, because we use the term family today, we're talking about mom, dad, kids. Okay, I know there's some of you out there have a little bit more liberal leanings, and you say, well, okay, I'm just just stick, just bear with me for the sake of this. Traditionally speaking, a family is mom, dad, kids. Maybe we go back to grandma and grandpa, aunts, uncles, cousins. That's we'd consider that family as well. I, I would say that a clan, as we st- think of it in a Scottish context, is farther out than that. It's a broader kin group, and this broader kin group has a recognized head, meaning that the members of the clan recognize this guy as the head of their kindred, and he sees himself as that head with responsibilities and duties to those people that he leads. So this chief for me is an identify it's one of the criteria that we use to say is it a clan or is it not a clan so the chief in the highland and isles context it's a very paternal view towards his followers and and I want to talk about so he would do he would not not every clan chief was equal some clans are bigger than others meaning and their chief is has a higher position than other chiefs so an example of this, if the, the chief of all of the McDonald's, all of them, he's the Lord of the Isles up until the late 1400s, and then they contested it for a little while after that. So that clan chief is not going to hold an equal ranking with a smaller kindred. Let's take the McCorkadales, for instance. 
the chief of the McCorkadales is not on equal footing with the chief of the McDonald's. Not even close. And so how their setup looks, they might have similar principles, but the Lord of the Isles is going to have access to greater things. And so he's he's going to... Well, I think what this really, what I'm really getting at is I'm, I want to talk about, about the, the retinue of a chief. Those people who followed him and provided certain services or products for him. And if you're a really powerful chief, you can go out to the kindreds who have a name. It'd be like a company today. A, a company that has a name in that industry, in that field, and they're going to charge more, and you can only go to that company if you have more resources, usually money. So an example of what I'm talking about is, so I, I like shooting. So the uh, a, a scope, a rifle scope manufacturer, I'm, I don't have enough money to buy Schmidt and Benders. I mean, I could if I saved up, but somebody on a different socioeconomic, specifically economic standing than me, much higher, makes a lot more money than me, they just go out and buy a Schmidt and Bender or a Night Force. And I have to think about other options. I either got to save for longer or I've just got to settle for a product that doesn't cost as much. So as it pertains to the clans, the chief of the McDonald's, the Lord of the Isles, he'd be able to go out to these kindreds who could probably charge top dollar for their services. or And I don't know what their version of that. It, it, a lot of times it wasn't exactly money that they were charging. It would be, I want land. Or, or I want a certain position. or I, There's other ways they would pay people, but the McDonald's, the chief of the McDonald's would have more resources to offer. And he could go out these, whereas a smaller clan with not as much land. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about wealth as measured by land that you hold, cattle that you have on that land, and fighting men that you can bring to bear on a, on a field of battle. And... So if you have less resources, that, that kind of limits you. So your retinue might not be as big, or it might be more obscure names. Not necessarily less talented people, though. Not necessarily. Um, going back to the scope analogy, there's some people out there who make quality scopes, but they haven't de- established themselves in the field as much as some of these other companies. So even though they're putting out a good product, it, early on in their experience, like Vortex was an, uh, an example of this. Now they're making some pretty some pretty high-end stuff that they charge a lot for, but they also make a lot of stuff that's still pretty good quality, And but they but it's it doesn't cost quite a mu- as much. And in earlier in their existence as a company, they weren't, they didn't make $2,000 scopes. And so you could, it was a little bit more affordable. So I'm just trying to use a comparison though. Who was in a chief's retinue? What kind of jobs were being filled here? So whenever a chief would travel around his territory or make a trip out of his territory to another place, there are certain people that he would carry around with him or they would reside with him and they would, at his, at his headquarters, at his residence, these people would stay close around him. So who would these people be? Well, to start off with, let's talk about the military commander. So I think we often think of... A clan going to battle with the chief at the head saying, waving his arm forward saying, follow me. And I'm not telling you that didn't happen. But a lot of clans had somebody that they put in charge, especially bigger clans, would have somebody that this was their military guy. And I haven't been following Outlander that closely because I don't have stars, because I don't have TV. Why don't I have TV? Because 
one, I used to have it and I was paying 36 bucks a month and I was watching two bucks a month. I was like, this is a waste of money. So I just discontinued it. Well, you don't need TV, Clint. You've got, you've got uh, Netflix. You can just stream movies. Okay. That's, that's fine and dandy. If you live in a place, the United States where you get really good internet service, I live right up against a mountain range. And for those of you who don't not, don't live around mountains and are you don't live in a sp- if you live in a bigger city, you don't understand that in these more remote areas, first of all, mountain range does stuff to wavelengths and reception and things like that, whether it's cell phones or so basically, so in the valley I live in, there's only one company that, that a phone company, basically your only options Verizon. That's, it's really the only game in town where you can get consistent. No kidding. I can have a phone call without my call being dropped service. So, yeah, so, because I know some of you just, when I said I don't watch Outlander, you, you thought that was absolute heresy. How could a guy who has a Scottish Clans podcast not watch Outlander? Can you even call yourself, uh, uh, what, what would I, what, what do I call myself? Do you, do you, are you really into Scottish Clans that much? I am, I promise. And I think that Outlander's, I mean, cool, I, I guess. But I do know enough about it to say that the Mackenzie clan, the way it's set up, is you got the chief, but then you got Dougal, who is the the military guy and kind of represents the, the clan chief in certain circumstances. So a clan would have a military guy, and there's lots of examples of this. And that's what I want to do is with each of these guys that I mentioned, I want to give you an example of that. So in smaller clans, this might be the chief's brother or nephew. But in bigger clans, they'd often outsource this to either a branch of the clan or another allied clan completely um, and maybe either way distantly related or not related. So let me give you some examples. The Campbells. The Earl of Argyle was not, he was, he was the, he was an earl, first of all. That's fairly high up in the Scottish nobility. Second of all, his, his clan is huge. Territory is all over Scotland. And so he's got a lot of stuff to do besides just think about military. So he would often, the, the earls of Argyle, the chiefs of all the Campbells, would often use the Campbells of Auchenbreck as their military guys to inc- not just not just rallying the troops and leading them into battle, but also training fell to this branch of the Campbells. So in other clans, though, this position was delegated to a separate kindred. Or, some, or a kindred that was maybe related but way distantly, as in the case of the Murrays of Aberscores filling this duty for the Sutherlands. Now I'm talking about, this is kind of an interesting concept here, I'm talking about the Sutherlands as a clan, surnamed Sutherland, who at one point in time, their chiefs were, the, the, the chief of the Sutherlands was the same as the Earl of Sutherland, but eventually that male line ran out the heiress, a daughter, marries a Gordon. I got into this in the last episode. Marries a Gordon. And now you have a junior member of the Gordon clan of the chiefly family. One of the younger brothers of the chief is now the Earl of Sutherland. But would in, in either case, this group of people, the Earl of Sutherland, the Sutherlands, as a clan, they would outsource the, the military aspect. When they, were, they went to battle, the guys, the, whoever was rounding up the men of Sutherland to go fight their enemies was the, the head of the kindred of the Murrays of Aberscores. So that's an example of that. Now, the Murrays of Aberscores technically were related to the Sutherlands. They were just, Murray comes from Demoravia, or in Gallic, it was more like Murav. 
Anyway, we call them Murrays today. And yes, distantly, they are related, I believe, to the Murrays of Athol in more of the southeastern highlands or central highlands. So they are connected somehow, but, but you have to go back quite a ways to the Dumeravia family. Um, maybe another branch or example of this would be the McKenzies using the McRae's. The McRae's kind of had a cool title in the relationship to the McKenzies. They were called the McKenzies Shirt of Mail, meaning they were kind of the military front of the McKenzie clan. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the rest of the McKenzies. Like, whatever, there's all sorts of sorts of bold McKenzies on the battlefield, and it wasn't just the McRae's fight. Yes, I'm not saying McRae's were doing all the fighting, but there's a reason they were called McKenzie's Shirt of Mail. And for those of you not a lot about armor, mail is like the chain mail they wear in a protection on their body. It's like ancient body armor. Anyway, so there's an example of that. Okay, so there's a military commander. The next person a, a chief might have in his retinue would be an historian slash bard slash poet slash shanachi. Now, Michael Newton, in the book I mentioned previously, he goes into a lot of detail. He's got this all figured out. If you want to get in, really dive into this, it's, you've got to go to that book and read it. So the, he, he talks about different types according to their, you have the Feely and the Olav and the, and the Bard and the, these different, you know, or, or what about a Shanahi? Anyway, these, all these different people who are responsible for not just poetry for an entertainment purpose, but for pre- presenting the history and the lore of the clan and I'm not just talking about folklores and fairy tales, so that for pure, like I said, for pure entertainment pur- purposes. This is an important. This is important knowledge for the members of the clan. This is who you are. This is where you come from, and what it all means. And and there's different levels of training for these poets. You know, a bard represented one area, and an Olav. Olav, and that's the so that's O L L A M H. Olav, that. He would have been the. That's where he represents the master poet, and Newton says that he inherited quote many aspects of his office from the Druid close quote. So that's kind of an interesting concept there. Anyway, this is the master poet, and you got if you're a chief, you got to have this guy because if you're going into battle, whether it's like a no kidding pitched battle or you're going to go on a cattle raid, anything where your valor may be displayed, you've got to have a guy to tell the tale, right? It's now everybody wants to, to film themselves doing cool stuff, but you didn't have that option, so you got to have this guy who, you know, anybody can stand there and watch you do something, but this guy can turn it into an, an just a gripping story, and, and you can look awesome or shameful depending on this guy. So they were well-respected people, an important part of the clan society. Examples of this, the Earls of Argyle used the McEwans for this position. Bannerman says that the, the McEwans were probably descended from the, quote, old established Bardic family of Ohosa or Ohosi of Ireland. Also a prominent kindred who served this, this role as poets to their chiefs were the McVuricks, the, who served the Lord of the Isles in this capacity. They are very well known. They were descended from the Odalis from Ireland, who are a very established family of poets there. So, after the... And when I say these, I'm not necessarily saying these in order of rank. They're just order of how I thought of them. Because it really it depends on how important the guy is, depends on the position you're in, right? If you're in, having a banquet and inviting all your, your buddies and the clan chiefs, important people from other areas 
then the poet's going to probably be your, your chief guy. If you're in the middle of no kid and we might live or not live right now based on how well we fight, your military guy and how, how well he's trained the troops and all that, he might be the most important guy. If you're on the same battlefield but you're bleeding out, then your physician might be the most important guy. And maybe that's the guy that I'll go to next, the physician. That's pretty self-explanatory. I don't think I need to talk a lot about his role. He's keeping people healthy and helping injuries and things. Uh, the, probably the most prominent kindred that filled this role were the Beatons or the Macbeths. Uh, they were, and if you've watched Outlander, I know that that their that name has been mentioned there because I think when the leading actress there, when she first arrives in Jamie's you know time and land and everything, and there she's brought to the castle, there a lady asks her. I just saw this in a clip on YouTube. A lady asks her if she's a Beaton. That's Everybody knew the Beatons for being physicians. And now, don't, once again, don't think super closed on this. Just because you were beaten didn't mean you had to be a physician. You would see some of these professional classes filling other rows, so you'd, roles. So you would see the, the McVerricks, not just as poets, but you might see them fulfill ecclesiastical positions. Or, or they could be physicians too, technically. So, I mean, so... I'm just telling you that this kindred was known for this particular thing. I'm not trying to make hard, fast rules for them. Also, when, when it comes to physicians, another example would be the O'Connor kindred that served the Campbells at one time and later the McDougals of Dunali later. The, the, and the last position I'm going to mention today in part of the retinue of the chief is the Piper slash Harper. So it's interesting to, to see the roles of these two instruments played in the history of Scotland in general. I'm not just talking about the Highlands and Isles. But the the harp, whenever we think of Scotland, the, the, if you talk about musical instruments, the first thing people think about is ba- are the bagpipes. Maybe at a close second, the fiddle. Not, the fiddle wasn't until... That was, that, was, that was later in their history. Um, but I, I, that wasn't part of this. I didn't prepare that. I don't know exactly when you first started seeing fiddles in Scotland. But... The, that's everybody thinks of Scotland. If you think musical instruments, they're thinking bagpipes. So, but the, even the bagpipes didn't come along. They, I mean, bagpipes have been around forever. And if you farther back you go, the more countries that had them. Until today, it's something that's really associated with Scotland. Even even though other places still have them, even within the British Isles, the Lowlands have bagpipes. England, you have the Northumbrian small pipes. I mean, they have different versions of them all over, just within England, let alone the rest of Europe and the rest of the world. But as the symbol, as the instrument, the go-to thing for Scottish chiefs, it used to be the harp. The harp, if you want to go back in antiquity, the harp was the instrument. It was, the, and especially in the court, in the in the castle, in the indoors for entertainment purposes. I mean, we've got the Illin pipes today that are not. If you, I don't know if any of you been indoors with Highland pipes. They're kind of loud and then and purposefully so because they filled a role on a battlefield. But, you know, battlefield music wasn't the only, even traditionally and anciently, wasn't the only type of music that the that were played on the bagpipes. And I'm speaking specifically of the Highland pipes right now. There's different kinds of pipes. But in, in an enclosed setting, today you have the more modern version of bagpipes called the Illin pipes. And they're from out of Ireland, Illin being Gaelic for elbow because you're working bellows with your elbow to supply the bag because you don't have a mouthpiece blowing the bag with air. Anyway, they look a lot different, and some of you are very familiar with that. But and they're more mellow, and you can play those inside. 
the bagpipes they're big they're robust they're meant they the the ancient highlanders would use the bagpipes in a similar role as other groups of people used the trumpet you know or or the bugle maybe i should say so if you think about i think about old west in the, in the america the old west days i think about the cavalry charge and the the guy the bugler sounding the charge you know because people can hear that even above gunfire they can hear the bugle and they they know what the bugle sound in this this tune is charged forward, and if you sound this other one, it means fall back or regroup or whatever different tunes they had. That's how the Highlanders used the bagpipes, and so they're supposed to be loud. So if you've ever been close to a bagpiper and he's playing, and you're like, wow, that's so loud, and it's kind of bothering you, but that's the point, is that they're loud. So you had, so both, both instruments fulfilled an important role for the chief and for the clan, and they would have a piper slash harper. Not that they were the same per- person, but that he would have one and the other, and I'm just kind of lumping it all in the same context of, of musician. So certain kindreds were known for providing harpers for certain other kindreds, kind of like the military commander, and certain larger clans would use this other clan or a branch of their own clan as the military guys. There were certain kindreds that were known to provide the pipers for certain larger kindreds. So, examples of this. On the Isle of Mull, you had the Rankins, who were pipers for the Macleans of Duart. Up in the Isle of Skye, farther north, off the west coast of Scotland, you had the McCrimmons, who were pipers for the McLeods. The McCrimmons are probably the most famous of all of these. They had a, I guess you could call it a college, that you would go to it was a school definitely and it was very prestigious and pipers from all over Scotland would go to there to learn the trade these were I, I I think it's safe to say that these were the most famous piping kindred and once again that they were they served the McLeods of Harrison Dunvegan you had the MacArthurs who served the McDonald's of Slate also on the Isle of Skye and the McGregors at least a certain branch of the McGregors would provide pipers for the Campbells of Glen Lyon. The Campbells in Glen Lyon, that's, that's, uh, Glen Lyon is, I think it's Loch Tay that it's just to the north of. And that was an example, if I've mentioned in previous episodes, the McGregors go in there and establish themselves early on, and then the Campbells follow on and establish a presence there. So the, the Glen Orkey Campbells would expand down into this area. And so the, you had these two, these two, the McGregors and the Campbells, had a really interesting relationship. It ends up with the Campbells of Glen Orkey trying to exterminate the, the McGregors, but it, it wasn't always that way, as you can tell, because you had McGregors piping for the Campbells of Glen Lyon, who were a branch of the Campbells of Glen Orkey, who were a branch of the Campbells. Uh, the... That's stupid to say, uh, like that. Sorry for that huge, uh. Anyway, the Mc... This other kindred, the Mc... I'm going to try to say this right. McVretnach. They, this kindred, served as harpists to the McNeils of Gia. And the McShannons, which isn't the original Gallic way of saying that, but that's the easy way for an English speaker to say it. The McShannons served as harpists to the Lord of the Isles. Okay. So, just to wrap that up, you have the chief... Head of the, all the clan looks at as the, the clan looks at him as kind of their f- collective father. He 
he fulfills a lot of roles for them, serves them in many capacities, but he's got this tight group of people around him that pre- pre- provide certain functions and and services and products for him and play a, a, an important role within the clan. So that was the military commander, the poet, the the historian. They were kind of wrapped up in the same thing. Then you also have the piper or the harper. Not necessarily the same person. Different functions for the different instruments. And the physician. So, there, there might be more than that. That was not being ex- exhaustive. That was just, I want to show you some of the people that the chief surrounded himself with and some of the kindreds that were known for providing those services to certain other clans. In the future, in future parts of this episode, which may or may not be the next episode, but in the future, we want to talk about how the clan was structured as we branch out now from this, this tight center of the clan as we branch out both geographically and in terms of kinship, how a clan, what does a clan look like? What's, how is a clan, the clan as a whole, how is it made up? Who, who is it made up of? Is it all the people of the same surname? Is it, do all, does all, the whole clan live in the same area? So these are some of the things we'll com, uh, talk about in the future. We'll talk about the clan council, or made up of the leading members of the, of the clan, known as the Finna. We'll talk about fosterage, Bonds of man rent, and no, that doesn't mean that you're renting a guy for something. You could take that down some kind of dark paths, or you could think about just renting a laborer, but it's not talking about either one of those. It's completely different. It is a way that that different clans formed relationships with each other, equal as peers or completely unequal. We'll also talk about how the the clan as a whole, as a unit, thought about their land. I or may have mentioned the concept of duchas earlier. Anyway, we'll talk about some of those concepts, but I don't think I'm really have enough time if I want to keep these episodes close to a half hour, which we're just barely over right now. So, there you have it. The clan chief, the retinue. I hope that I didn't ramble too much. I'm trying to... It just takes too much time to write these episodes out word for word. I know some podcasts, it is very um, written out, scripted, and this is more of a conversational tone. And that's what I got time to do because this isn't what I do for a living. So I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope that that you found something in here that's useful for your concept of understanding how a clan works. Remember that we're going to talk about it more in the future. If you have something that I missed, I should have added, maybe there's another man, that, an important guy in this retinue that I completely left out, and I need to at least mention him starting the next episode off. Or maybe I, uh, maybe you've got an idea or a question based off of something you heard today. There's ways that we can continue this dialogue. To start off with, the Scottish Clans has a Facebook page. The, the name of the Facebook page is Scottish Clans, but the web address is facebook.com forward slash Clans of Scotland. And that'll take you to the Scottish Clans Facebook page. Another way that we can interact, so I'll have the, this episode posted on the the clans of, or the Scottish Clans Facebook page, and then in the comments below this episode, you can you can say things, add things, ask questions, whatever you want to do. We can continue the conversation there. Also, the how I usually post these is that when I post a link on that Facebook page, it's usually a link back to the Podbean, either Podbean web, website or the Podbean app, and so. 
I have the Podbean app on my iPhone. It works on that. I don't have an Android, so I don't know. I, th I think the Podbean app works on Androids. There's some other platforms. We've also got this podcast on Spotify. So we've got it on iTunes. We've got it on Spotify. And then if you actually just download the Podbean app, you can go to that. Or you can go to podbean.com forward slash scotchclans. And go to there. And you can leave messages either on the app or on the website. And we can continue this conversation. So I'd really love to hear what you think. Tell me more. Tell me where we need to go next. I've got, aside from the structure of the Scottish clan, some of the places that we might go in the future are another alliance. that I, I, I talked about the alliance between the McGregors and the McFarlands earlier. Uh, another one I thought of would be the Mackays and the, and the Forbes. Uh, another feud, because I've we're kind of got a series of feuds going here that we're, we've, been, we've discussed, the last one being the Gordons and the Forbes. The next one I thought about would be the Montgomerys versus the Cunninghams. And that would take us to a different region of Scotland that we haven't really jumped into yet, haven't really explored. And so for those of you who are waiting, you're from that area, and you're like, come on, when are we going to get there? Look, I'm trying to. And, and I'd like to visit also in another episode the borders again. Maybe we talk about the Kerrs versus, I think it was the Scots. There's a really cool story there about... One guy run at the other guy with his joust and try to run him through this. Anyway, there's some cool stories. Uh, the borders are not short on cool stories. That is such a dynamic, violent part of Scotland. That was a rough. Those you know, the, I think the Highlanders get all the attention when it comes for to, for fighting men, but the borders they actually produce some of the finest light cavalry that ever served for uh, for anybody in Britain. And, and a lot of your, those of you who are descended from the Scots-Irish, the, the term that we use here in the States, the, a lot of those Scots who had settled in Northern Ireland and then came over here to the Americas, mostly pu pushed back into the back country at the time, a lot of those were, were border surnames. And so that was, they, like I said, the Highlanders and Isles, they get all the attention when it comes, for fighting men, comes to fighting men, but the borders, those, those guys are some rough dudes. And maybe I also in the future want to talk about the Galaglass, who were indeed from the Highlands and Isles. Anyway, those are some of the subjects and places I'd like to take this podcast in the very near future. But if you've got ideas, some of some of you gave me ideas, and I've actually already made whole podcasts off of some of those ideas. So please let me know what you think. Let's continue the conversation on the sources that I mentioned already. Uh, one thing I want to ask you to do, though, if you will... Whatever platform you're like you're you're following this on, there's usually some way to either subscribe or like or something. Will you do that? Give me a rating if you can. Like on iTunes, you can give me a five star rating and then you can leave a review and talk about how awesome I am or some other kind of review, but preferably the five star awesome review. And one other thing, aside from giving me a review and some feedback on there, share this podcast with somebody that you think would be interested in it. You know. There's somebody that is, they're kind of into history. They haven't made a career out of it or anything or a podcast or a blog or anything, but, but they are, they are, they kind of lean, they, they kind of like a good story and maybe they even have ties to Scotland and you're thinking, Hey, this person might like this. Please share it with them. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed it. I look forward to seeing you next time on the Scottish Clans podcast. Goodbye for now.